0: Welcome to Life Hurts God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward, and this is our other host.
1: Kurt Fleigal. But that today I get to be interviewed instead. I like this.
0: Speaking of which, I know there's a topic you're wanting to cover. I mean we've mentioned it before briefly in passing. I think so. I am reasonably sure. But uh, one of the areas that's come up in the last few years for you that I know it's been a struggle. Hmm. Uh, for sure has been, um, the disease that you now have, that you've been diagnosed with for what, two, is it two years or three years now?
1: Wow. So, okay, let's go back. Yeah. 2018, October 2nd, 2018 is when I had surgery to remove a, the tumor out of my right leg, upper thigh area, quad. And that came about because of the weakness that I was experiencing at 40-something years old, going, oh, I'm just getting older, I'm getting weaker, having a hard time getting out of chairs, as we would set up for church service in the gym of the local middle school. Mm. I was having a hard time getting off the floor from putting the frame together of the screen that we would put up on the stage. It was getting harder and harder. And I'm just like, man, I need to exercise more. This is ridiculous. And so finally deciding, you know, to go in April of 2018. Yeah. So I was 49. And just before my 49th birthday, I go, I need to check up, you know. So going in was because of the weakness. Yeah. You know, like I I demonstrated for him, right? This is how much I struggled getting out of a chair. And I would show Mm -hmm. him as I got up. And he's like, man, I have alarm bells going off. Because that's not... These are his words. That is not an almost 50-year-old. That's like a 70-year-old getting out of a chair. Actually, I think my
0: dad still gets out of a chair easier than you
1: do. (laughs) Well, this was a few years ago, and I got out easier than I do now. Oh, I know. So they started doing tests. And in the process of doing the tests, they found the tumor... Yeah. And his his thoughts were, this is going to sound weird, guys. He's talking <laughs> to my wife Sherry and I. This is going to sound weird, but I'm hoping this is cancer. And we were like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: not what you normally expect to hear from your doctor. Right. I'm hoping it's cancer.
1: He said, because if it's cancer, maybe this weakness is some kind of... Immuno response Like mm. some wacky Like cancer is known to do weird things So maybe yeah. it's a wacky response That your body is tr- is Being triggered by the The cancer to attack itself To try to get to the tumor Or whatever Because the alternative mm. Is that you have Some kind of Neurological disease And he said my guess would be That it's myopathy which is some kind of muscle disease something that attacking the muscles and he goes and there are so many of those Mm -hmm. and a lot of those are really really scary yeah so his advice to us was when I tell you myopathy do not go home and look this up (laughs) because they're just they'll just terrify you yeah so let's just start from here and do, do some scans of your legs because that's where the weakness was most noticeable yeah. at that point was me getting out of chairs, getting off the ground. And we'll go from there and we'll see what happens. And my wife was like, heck no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Telling your wife not to research something sounds like a losing battle to me.
1: <laughs> you know, in the personality, Enneagram personality yeah. test, she is a number six. Mm. which has a lot of fear of the future. Yeah. But what's great about her, what's an incredible strength of my life is that rather than run from it, like I tend to do, mm. like I'm an Enneagram 7, the 7 wants to avoid fear, avoid pain. That's me. Let's go have a great experience and ignore the inner, inner struggles and turmoil. My wife, the beauty of of her strength, even though she fears the future... She faces what she fears. And to tell her not to face (laughs) it is to basically deny her her true self, her essence. In this case, she's like, heck no. She went home, researched it, knew my symptoms better than the doctor. Yeah. And looked at all of the kinds of myopathies. And within probably within two days... She had a diagnosis that I could be struggling with something called inclusion body myositis. So I just tell people when they ask me, what is that thing you're struggling with again? I just say, IBM.
0: Uh, if only that was the only definition for that one. Isn't Irritable it? bowel. <laughs> I try really hard not to think about that whenever you say IBM.
1: <laughs> now I'm going to think about it.
0: Uh, You're welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we went in for surgery. That's why I mentioned the surgery right up the top was October 2nd. And the doctor was like, I hope it's cancer because we can deal with that. Yeah. I know it sounds weird because if it's a myopathy, there is no treatment or cure for a lot of them. Yeah. Inclusion body myositis, there is no cure and there is absolutely no treatment other than Regular exercise that is low impact. Yeah. Because the whole point of this disease is that it rips down the muscles in the arms, legs, and throat. The extremities. Yeah. My wife would say I hit the anti-jackpot. Mm. That I, I got two rare diseases. So my the cancer, liposarcoma, that I had was a fatty tissue cancer. Which is pretty rare. It's one of the rarest kinds of cancers. But it's also one of the, if it's fully enclosed, which was in fully encased tumor, which is what mine was. It's also one of the best kinds of cancer to get.
0: There's the irony for you. One of the best, those words together, best kind of cancer to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really rare, but the best kind. Yeah. And this disease, IBM. I think I've seen things that said one in eight million
0: Yeah, that was the last I think I heard you talking about it.
1: So it's super rare. So my wife would say, "Yeah, you won the anti lottery twice." <laughs> so October second, we had the surgery. Yeah, and then we watched, and they kept asking me, "How are you doing? Is strength returning now that yeah. the cancer's out?" Because the theory would be right. Yeah, if if, if the cancer
0: caused it. Yeah,
1: so we got to to the new year, January, and like at first it felt like there was a surge of strength. Yeah, but I, I, remember. I think. It, I think it was just uh mental yeah. kind of a placebo. Oh, the placebo was, effect. Yeah, it was probably more of that.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it was probably February of 2019, within somewhere in that, right, you know, a year later, basically, almost to my birthday again, <laughs> that we found out, yes, I have inclusion body myositis for sure.
0: Yeah. So you find out you have this for sure. I mean, what's going through your head? I mean, I was around, but I wasn't exactly asking too many questions at the time.
1: What's going through my head? Yeah. So in the dynamic between my wife and I, this will kind of give you a clue. You know this, but we got t-shirts. We got t-shirts at Christmas, and mine said, Optimist Prime and hers said negatron <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> because we joke. But I mean, this is like our nephew and niece gave us these because this <laughs> is the way Sherry and I joke. You know, that she's the negative one and I'm the 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 optimistic one. So she'll call herself a realist. I'll call myself a realist because, and really, when you think about it, she's a realist. Like I said before, she sees the problems. Yeah. And she faces them. Yeah. And she faces them because if she can see the problem and she can face it and name it, then she's on her way to solutions. Hmm. That's why for her to go and look up the disease and come up with a diagnosis way before our doctor, months <laughs> before our doctor you know, diagnosed it, that actually puts her in a place where she's relaxed and at rest. Because she knows what she's dealing with.
0: Yeah.
1: That that mystery is taken out of the equation. And she knows how, how to plan, which is what a six wants to do. Wants to plan for the the, the ball of crap rolling towards them, which is the future. in a six mind, mine, Enneagram six. And they want to be able to prepare for that. She would call that a realist. And I would call that a realist too. But I would say, an op, as Optimist Prime, I'm also a realist. Because it isn't enough to see the problem. There has to be a faith to believe that there is a solution, which is what she is stepping into to believe that. Yeah. And the optimist also believes that. Believes heaven is beyond you know, the scenes, working everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, as God would tell us in his word and in the letter written to the, the ancient Roman church. Yeah. Right, Romans chapter 8. And so I'm a realist too because I see the bright side which is heaven's perspective. And what's the real reality is if heaven doesn't exist then it's all fantasy, but if heaven does exist then I'm a realist.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's how we help each other. But as as my side of re- the realism, I can avoid like I said, avoid looking at those things. Yeah. Her side of realism avoids seeing the good. And this is where we meet in the middle. So we're both realists, both Optimist Prime and Megatron. Hmm. We're realists, but in that moment what happened was a dynamic happened where she brought something up to me. She was mad at God. And that was a good thing for her to vocalize that because it forced me to face... The f- reality of what this could be for her, for my family. I've always been thinner, but I've always been really strong. Yeah. And so things need to be pushed around, carried.
0: You were the one doing it. Yeah. Right. You were always the little energizer
1: bunny. Yeah. Exactly. Get things done, I can do it. You know? And I can go all day and night oh. to do it, you know? So when she came to me and she said, I'm angry. Oh, God. Yeah. And here's the question that she had in that anger was, you are the guy who prays like nobody's business. Like, I don't know anyone who spends more time in prayer and God's presence than you. And this is what he does. Yeah. Of all the people, you're the least deserving of this. My wife helps me, maybe even forces me (laughs) to face the thing and call it for what it is and see that there's anger and there should be grief and there should be and also see in facing that that side of the realism and also see what else is is there heaven's perspective and so when she said that what came out of my mouth was i don't see this as deserving or not deserving i see this as god he can allow this into our lives because he trusts me that much. Because I pray that much. And that's how I see this. This is an entrustment. Does it suck that there's probably gonna come a point in two to five years that this disease has weakened me to the point where I'm in a wheelchair and that people, my wife included, are gonna to have to pick me up off of a toilet after I've gone to the bathroom and help me clean myself? That's not fun to think about, right? Those aren't fun things to think about. My wife is lifting me off the toilet, other people having to be hired and money being spent for nursing and things like that to give her breaks. But to see what God could do with that, I mean, he can do amazing things through our suffering. Sounds really familiar, right? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the, of the life and suffering of Job as recorded in the book of Job in the scriptures. In the book of Job, in the beginning, we have this crazy encounter between God and Satan and a conversation about Job. And God points him out to Satan and says, hey, this is the most righteous man who ever lived. What do you think of him? And Satan says, it's only because he's spoiled. You've given him everything he he, he could ever ask for. That's why he is... um, Following you. It's not that he's righteous, he's actually really spoiled. And if you took it all away, he'd curse you to your face. So Satan's basically saying to God, <laughs> Allow me to bring some suffering into his life and we'll see what he does with that, right? Yeah. God's saying, Yeah, you can do all that to him you want. He's not going to curse me to my face like you think he will, Satan. All of that happened to Job because God trusted Job. Yeah. Because God trusted Job. Job couldn't see it at the time, but it was, it was the future of humanity at stake. Because what is Satan's goal here? What's his end goal? Jesus told him he's a liar, a thief, and he's a murderer. Yeah. So his end goal is murder, right? Yeah. So if he can prove without a shadow of a doubt that Job isn't righteous at all, that he's actually the opposite of that, he's spoiled brat, and that if you take everything away from it, him, he will curse you to your face, God. If he's the most righteous man, and he fails miserably. What does Satan have against all of humanity?
0: They're now in that same spot. If they can't measure up to Job, and Job's not who God says he is, then there's no hope for the rest of humanity. They're all going to fall under Satan's power and authority.
1: Right. And think of this. If none of them are righteous, Satan has grounds to call God to destroy humanity and judgment and fire. So here's Job. He never cursed God. To, he didn't do what Satan yeah. wanted him to do. Yeah, from his wife's own lips, right? Yeah. Satan manipulates her to say, well, what are you doing, Job? Just curse God and die. He never curses God, but he questions God a lot. Yeah. So we can see the difference, right? There's a there's a big difference between questioning God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: asking questions, and mm-hmm. cursing God. Yeah, and and so Job asks a lot of questions. I just want an audience. I want to know what's going on. I want the answers to why this is happening to me. And all his friends are saying, "Oh, well, it's because you've sinned,"
0: mm.
1: and because that was the theology. And it sounds a lot like our theology in a, a lot of ways in the church in the 21st century. Big C Church, if good things are happening, that means God's happy with you. If bad things are happening, that means God's angry with you. Yeah. And God, when it all said and done, and he presents himself to Job and deals with Job's questions by saying, where were you? I'm, I got a question for you. Where were you when uh, I placed the markers to create the universe, the earth, and the boundary between land and sea. Where were you when I laid out all these markers, Job? And Job coming into the presence of God, all of his questions just dry up in the magnificence of God. And he falls down in in worship to see God for who he really is. He has no more questions, because he's coming to God's presence, and he sees how high God is in comparison to him. It's a gift. Though God, you know, brings conviction, he does it in a way that ends up bringing Job to a greater place of worship it may sound harsh, but it's really just putting Job and not in a bad way, putting Job in his place. That sounds, you know, demeaning, <laughs> but he puts Job in, in the right placement between him and God, which we need. I need yeah. that constantly. Right. Cause my pride,
0: yeah. right.
1: Creeps in. Job doesn't have to sacrifice to him or anything. He totally affirms Job as righteous still. Yeah. Just understanding that his righteousness as God is where Job's righteousness came from, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And then he turns to his friends like, you guys are all out of whack. In fact, you're so whacked, you need to go to Job and have him sacrifice for you. He's got harsh words for for some of the friends, um, except for the youngest one. So he restores Job seven times what he lost. Yeah. And I also think, how do we have this picture? When we start Job, there is we the veil between heaven and earth is pulled back, and we get this scene in heaven between yeah. God and Satan, between God and the accuser. How do we have that? God gave Job, had to give Job, the answers to his questions. He, even though he puts Job in his place, yet he we have the picture of what really happened. Job understands finally how big this was. Yeah. This was big. This was humanity. I believe what he showed him was humanity in the balance. And he goes, this is how much I trust you, Job. Mm. This is how much I trust you. And it's bigger than Job could ever realize. So in this, whatever God is going to do with this, it's bigger than I could realize. I got one little glimpse of that through Life Hurts, God Heals. Actually, this podcast the first season, Chris Woolwind was co-host with me great guy. One day we're talking, just catching up and seeing what we thought of the of the interview and all that stuff. He said, kurt, when you you mentioned this disease you struggle with during this podcast i I apparently I mentioned it in <laughs> passing and he said." Something happened when you mentioned it, and I don't know if I should share this with you or not. Like Chris, uh, I think you just forfeited. <laughs> I think you just forfeited that luxury of choosing whether you're gonna share it with me or not when you opened your mouth and told me that there's oh, something happening.
0: He had the right to say no, still. Yeah,
1: he did, but I would be bugging him. Oh because yes, I'm like, you now would. Why you have to share?
0: Yeah, that's not what you want to do with Kurt. If, no. uh Um, If you don't want, if you're not sure, if you should tell something to you,
1: that's why I'm a great interviewer because you know uh, I ask a lot of questions because I'm very curious of things. You know, it's the otter personality, the seven personality. You know, so I was like, "You better spill now." You you mentioned it, and so he said, "Well, while you were talking, like I saw a vision Mm -hmm. in my mind, and I saw you in a wheelchair, and there was a line of people." waiting to be healed through your prayers. And it was amazing, but I had a question. God, you're using Kurt to heal all these people, mind, body, spirit. You're using him as a healer, but yet he's still in that wheelchair. What's up with that? And God said to Chris, and I believe this, this is what it takes for him to be a conduit for my healing Right, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It takes you knowing how desperately you're dependent on God for you to be a conduit of his power like that. I believe it was Paul that said, I begged God to take this thorn in my Mm -hmm. flesh away. This this thing he whatever it was that Paul was struggling with, we don't know, he begged God three times and I find it funny that God gave him like three times God gave him the same answer And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's a hero of the faith, for me, for sure, is also just another human being, because he still begs God three times to take it away and gets the same answer three times. Like, he didn't stop on the first one. I asked God to take this away, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness my strength is shown best. Yeah, God gave me that once, and I was happy. No, he said three times. So the first two times, like, that's a junk answer. I don't want that. Like, forget that. I want to be healed. Or I want this to be, whatever it is, to be taken off of me. And I don't care that you're telling me that your grace is sufficient. But that's the point. In my weakness, in my weakness, his strength is shown. His power and strength is shown best. And when I heard that from Chris it was acceptance. I was like, I don't know if that vision is true. I still don't know to this day if I'll be in a wheelchair or if God will heal me. I still want people praying for my healing, but I hold it all open. I hold the vision and I hold their prayers and like, I trust you that there's greater healing in this. Even if I'm not healed physically ever, I will be healed physically one day. So it might not be in this life, but I'm going to be healed of this disease. What Jesus has taught me is whatever I'd say is a struggle isn't my struggle. He's invited me to come to him and give him my struggles. This is a struggle, but it's not mine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
1: So the real question is, what can God do with it? Well, like, like Job, there's more at stake what first meets the eye what if that's the deal what if all of these there's all these people that will be healed through a humility that can come only in my desperate dependence on God through a physical situation where I'm in a wheelchair there's a famous pastor that I got to meet and told him that and I told him like this is the vision that was given to me you know to me and he got up and shared that and then denounced that, basically, and said, that's not how God works. Well, what I've learned is, and, and this guy, let, let me say, I'm not going to say who it is, but this guy is an incredible leader. He and, his, and those who follow him have been used to do the miraculous, have done incredible things. But he's not God. Yeah. And he cannot say, none of us can say, that they know that that's not the way God works.
0: Yeah,
1: This is the point. The minute we say that, we've just put ourselves in the place of God
0: yeah.
1: and, let, and have forgotten that we are poor in spirit
0: right. and
1: ignorant. And yeah. we do not know all of the mysteries of God. So, yeah. so am I saying that that vision is true? I'm saying I don't know. Right. But if it is from God, my, my hands are open to accept it. May it be as the Lord says. Yeah. If God chooses to heal me completely, may it be as the Lord says. Yeah,
0: I I love that because it if it's who I'm thinking of. There's so there's a pastor I love who I've I've shared quotes with you before, but one of the ones I love the most. Well, you you know my top favorite because we say it all the time and we've said it multiple times. But one of my other favorites that I share less often is. God never violates his word, but he has no problem underst- violating our understanding right, of his word. Yes. And and that is, I mean, because honestly, the first couple times you shared that vision with me, I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously very good at hiding it <laughs> to a point. I was just like, no, I, I didn't feel right about it in my spirit, to be honest. like I was just like, I don't like this. God, this doesn't sound like you. I don't want to hear this, period. And, you know, I mean, there's part of me that still gets a little twitchy every time you bring it up.
1: I'm sure my wife is not a big fan.
0: (laughs) But at the same time, I can't believe I haven't shared this with you, but apparently it never comes to my brain in the right moment.
1: For such a time as this. For
0: such a time as this, it, it does. So obviously, I've been... With you for a lot of this too, and I consider you family and one of my best friends.
1: Absolutely. So I consider (laughs) me your family and one of your best friends is what I'm saying. Oh jeez. Because I'm amazing. Yeah.
0: But I was sitting there arguing with God about it, you know, going like, God, I hate this. Like, Mm. there's nothing I hate more than watching the people I love in pain. Right.
1: For all of us, right? Yeah.
0: And I was like, God, I really, 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 really don't like this. Like, I don't want to see this. And, you know, for a while I was like, God, I don't even know if I can be there watching watching this happen. You know, I watch you try to open water bottles and other things. I'm just like, every time it breaks my heart. Mm. You know? But and so, out of
1: chairs is fun, though.
0: I, well, occasionally funny. <laughs> but still painful. <laughs> you know? And... He's like, Kim, do you remember what Kurt was like before this? I'm like, yeah. Mr. Energizer Bunny, there's a reason we called you that Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. He's like, he was so busy. He's like, yeah, I could heal him right now. But he needs to stay there for a while and learn how to be with me even more than he already has been. Mm. And he's like, if I give him his health back right now, he's going to still jump right back into Mr. Energizer Bunny again. And that's not who he needs to be in this season. I was just like okay <laughs> I still don't like it but he's like this is where he needs to be to be who who I created him to be for this season if he goes back to that it's gonna be him and it's not gonna be me and he's gonna get the glory and I can do much more through him like this than I can through him if he's if he's made well at this point I'm like okay I'm like I guess I have to let that go too It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt every time I see you try to open a water bottle or get out of a chair or the fact that we can actually keep pace with each other without you having to slow down too much (laughs) with my little tiny legs and being out of shape.
1: But remember what happened with Job, right? Yeah. He had to be put in his place in, in the rightness of his relating to God. And let's be honest, that's what's happening with me, right? And. There's still, there's a lot of pride in having a lot of energy. There's a pride that takes things for granted that you'll always have this energy. And this energy is what you need. And you can lean subconsciously, unconsciously lean into that power. Having a lot of money is a dangerous thing Mm. in some ways for some people. Because they can, our tendency, all of us as human beings, is to rely Mm. on that thing rather than rely on the creator of that thing. Right? Yeah. With Job, what he was doing is putting Job in right relation for Job's benefit to rely on God yeah. and his power and wait on him and better than before. Yeah. And that's what is, this has done for me. Like, I say this all the time, and you know this. <laughs> I say, I wouldn't wish this... On my worst enemy. Yeah. To watch my wife and to know what could be coming for her sucks. It sucks. I'm not going to pull any punches on that. I I hurt for her. And she probably hurts for me. That's kind of how that works, right? <laughs> Having to watch me, like you said, go through this. So I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But I also wouldn't trade this for anything where I am
0: on that note since we're ending it and this is what we do to all of our guests <laughs> let's just have you close this out in prayer pray for the people listening
1: yeah God just thank you I want to say thank you for this journey mm. there's so many more nuances of of this aspects of this that we haven't even touched on the, the financial fears of of not being able to barely do anything physically <laughs> anymore there's all that, but God, you are moving in, so, in every detail where there's fear. It is an invitation to bring that fear to you and find you speaking life into those places. And so, God, I pray for everyone listening In the authority and power you've given to me. I bless them with a heavenly perspective to see their worry, to see their fears, to see their struggles, as yours and as an invitation for them to come to you and give those things back diseases mental illnesses, physical illnesses, emotional disease, it's all dis-ease that they would see each one as an invitation from now on they would see these things as emptiness and an invitation to give them back to you and they would Grow in extraordinary ways and noticing their anxiety, noticing their shame, and see it as, a, as your reminder that it's yours, They're an invitation to give it back. And they would do that and find your love, comfort, compassion, peace, joy, goodness, wisdom, power in those places. I bless everyone who is listening, who will ever listen to this podcast with your perspective. Increasing faith, growing faith, even if they don't think they have any, growing faith. We pray that in the power and authority you've given to us, through your cross, Jesus, and through your Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thanks for this opportunity, Kurt. I don't get to turn the tables on you too often.
1: That's right. DJ Kimmy Kim. I had to go there. Every time you say turntables, I just think of DJs now. Of course you do. It's going to be a new thing. Get ready. Oh. Buckle up, buttercup. It's coming.
0: Oh, jeez. Well, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for for sharing. And I know it's going to bless other people, so... Looking forward to seeing what God does through all of this, too.
1: Me too. Thanks for asking three questions. (laughs) You did great, though. Thanks. Until next time?
0: Until next
1: time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life? Whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over? or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future. You want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that, because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. That's Coach Kurt as in C-O-A-C-H-K-U-R-T-777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved.